This week's episode of The Cool Room is brought to you by... The Two Ring Circus Show, a weekly podcast in which two best friends unravel the existential mysteries of our world with expletives. With episode titles like Crampations or Peanut Butter Tangents, Switching Horses Midstream or The Least Neurotic Do, and Angelina, Upsaging and Victimless Crime or We Don't Get to Be Anywhere Without History, there's bound to be something to tickle your fancy. As two rings of the same circus, Matt Bradshaw and Dom Italiano convene once a week to discuss everything from the banal to the substantial. Music, movies, animal puns, and the vagaries of our shared human existence. That's the Two Ring Circus Show. Find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, plus the video version on YouTube every Thursday. Hello, friends, and you're in the cool room. It's David Griffiths here, and I am joined by my now regular Tuesday co-host, Travis Bristow. Travis, the sun's shining. How are you feeling about the world? It is shining. It's uh, looking quite good out there. I'm looking out the in-ceiling windows of my little space. You've... Yeah, I could see on the Zoom picture that you were looking up here. Look, look making sure you were actually correct that the sun was shining because I kind of feel like it hasn't been shining for the last few days. It is not. That's why let us, we'll do our intro nice and quickly so we can go out and responsibly, socially, distantly enjoy our sunshine. But um, sounds, sounds good. And, we're uh, going to have a yarn to Ryan and Adrian from Hopheads uh, very soon and we look forward to hearing all of their good stories. I thought I'd just check in with you and see how you enjoyed your Venom beers from our virtual Meet the Brewers the other day, first of all. The Venom beers are going well. In fact, I just finished a Venom Pale Ale and I think I've got two Pale Owls left, but I've still got quite a few of the pack still in the fridge. Uh, so they are going the distance, which is good. Um, after the chat with Joel the other night, it uh, kind of shifted my belief structure on venom i'm enjoying them quite a lot i think they're really good in that the double gold and i could drink i think i've got two of those left i was just about to say that i've got two of those left as well um but uh i don't think they'll last to the weekend i think he said he's got about 200 slabs still to go because uh that was there was a whole lot of it that was going to go into kegs originally so which is yeah it's and then I, you know, it's quite an interesting scenario when you think about a brewery that would have been kegging up beers around this time of the year, um, ready to ship out the venues, and now all of a sudden they've got to figure out another way. So canning is obviously the the way to go. And um, I, I thought the the Venom chat with Joel was really really informative and really good. It was um, yeah, it was good to to hear from from that side of the the brewery and get a bit of an idea on what goes into it and. Uh, he did have some interesting things to say. He's uh, always a man of strong opinions. So mm. if you haven't heard, uh, well, f- the first time that he came on the podcast, now the second time that he came on the podcast, do yourself a favour, as Molly would say. Go back and, and hunt those ones down. Um, we've got a few other fun Meet the Brewers sessions coming up that I might just very quickly tell people about. So 48 hours away from when we're recording this one. Uh, so on Thursday, May the 7th, will be joined by the guys from Bonehead. And thank you to uh, everyone who's already bought a tasting slab or tasting case to go along with that one. We'll be dropping those out in the next 24 hours or so. Uh, And a couple of really fun ones that we're looking down the road towards. So the week after on the 14th, we'll be joined by uh, some friends from La Serene 
who'll be talking about their amazing saison and farmhouse beers, but also in the tasting pack to accompany that one, we'll have uh, some DuPont and some Tilquin, so some very rare overseas beers that we'll be able to compare and contrast to. Um, some quite amazing beers if you've not tasted those before and you are a craft beer aficionado, those you really want to get your taste buds around. I'm going to buy the full pack. Oh, yes, we haven't uh, even revealed to the world the different types of packs for that one yet. But Yes, it's, um, it's going to be my birthday present to myself. Excellent choice. I'm hoping that my wife thinks that my birthday's in mid-May rather than early April and that she might buy me one as well. So I don't know how I'll go with that after 20 years of marriage, but we'll see how we go. Anything's worth a shot at the moment. To get your hands on beers like that, you yeah. need to have a birthday every week. So That's it. That's it. Um, the week after that, I think we've lined up uh, a brewer from Nomad Brewing that um, many people will be familiar with. Uh, they do some really fun, both core range beers and some more esoteric things. Uh, they've had the chance to brew with Rogue from the US and Ale Farm as well. And so the pack of beers that will be coming out for that one will contain uh, some one-off rogue beers and uh, sorry, some one-off nomad beers, but also some rogue and ale farm by way of comparison. So beers you probably can't get your hands on at your local bottle shop. Mm. That does sound very good. And Travis, you've been hard at work with negotiations with Blackman's. This is only in its very beginning stages at the moment, but do you want to give people a little bit of a taste on what will be available on the 28th? 28th of May, yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure hard at work, um, but we're getting there. It, like David said, it's still early days. Um, so the plan is on the 28th of May, we will invite Blackman's Brewery, um, which are based down in uh, Torquay, um, with their little bar in Geelong. They've put together a nice little pack of beers for us that uh, will hopefully uh, work quite well. And it'll be good to have a chat to those guys and see what they're doing with their wonderful little beer van that they've set up. I believe they're doing, they're doing deliveries at the moment to your door where they'll pour your pint. My problem would be just, you know, just, you know, make them pull up out the front and stay there for the night rather than <laughs> go on and pour a pint from anyone else. I'm so. not sure. I'm not sure if you've seen their, their social media posts, but they've, they've fitted out a little, one of their little vans with them um, with beer taps, which I just love that idea. I think there should be more of that. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically in Yarraville, because as we learn as this episode goes on, it's all about what you can walk to in Yarraville. Well, we uh, we I, I looked at it at one point in time, many many years ago, and uh, was told that uh, to get it across the line in relation to liquor licensing laws at that point in time, and it was around that time when food trucks were massive. Where mm. you know every every second night there'd be food trucks out in the western suburbs, but um, yeah, to get it off the off the ground was going to be a bit of a bit of a task. So we pushed that one to the side and didn't think about it anymore. In, um, in terms of things you can walk to, I'm also meant to do a little plug here. Essentially, this week we're sponsored by Wolf and Hound Cafe, which is in Pinnock Crescent in Flemington. Uh, the reason why we're giving them the sponsorship rights this week is because they were nice enough to put up a poster for us uh, about both the podcast and the Bonehead afternoon, so about Bonehead evening. So... There you go. But shout out to them. And if you're interested in having a little ad on here, uh, whether you're a fellow podcast that just wants to swap ads with us or a business that wants to let people know 
uh, about what you're doing during the coronavirus lockdown or just generally, um, get in touch with us. We're happy to plug, happy to share the love when all the businesses at the moment uh, adapting to new things in difficult times. Yes, that's it. Um, unless you've got any exciting stories about your ceiling windows that you need to share with the broader group, Travis? No, but I feel like they'll come up again sometime. <laughs> the next time it rains, <laughs> I think, is when they're going to come up again. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, no, it's uh, we should get on with the uh, the chat with the Hopheads guys. and Get on with the Hophead guys and see everyone for this virtual Zoom front bar. Uh, which you can find via our Facebooks. It starts off at 5.30 on Thursday nights and then into our virtual Meet the Brewers from there. Marvelous. Me and my friend are walking to a bar we're joined this afternoon by two excellent people, Ryan and Adrian from Hopheads. Good afternoon, gentlemen, as well. Hey, guys. How are we doing? Good afternoon, guys. How are we? Excellently well. Excellently well. Um, before we get too far underway, we like people to have the opportunity to share their social media and so forth so that uh, people who might want to come back and, and just listening to the start of the episode again and grab uh, ways of getting in contact can find those easily. Can you just run us really briefly through how we can find Hopheads on Instagram and um, Facebook, making sure we can find all the stores and so forth that we have available? Uh, you can find us on Instagram at HopheadAU uh, and at Facebook it is the same, HopheadAU, or if you just type in Hopheads, we should be the first thing that comes up. If not, there'll be one Singaporean bar. Uh, that is definitely not us. It's the other one. Uh, who came first? What? Uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah. think was, I think it was pretty neck and neck, to be honest. <laughs> good it was good answer. Close. I did notice that when I was doing a hophead search on Instagram last night, that you know there was any number of hashtag hopheads. So you're either incredibly effective with your social media or um, it's, a, it's a phrase that, you know, might elicit all sorts of responses along the way. Do you guys find that people tag your hopheads in the Singaporean hopheads and vice versa? Oh, definitely. We used to get, like, I, I, I still get messages sometimes from... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Facebook, on Facebook, we get like, oh... Yeah, I saw an event, heard about you guys, and just, yeah, I mean, it happens, but I think uh, hasn't happened that often recently. Uh, it could be worse. You could own the Royal Mail in West Melbourne, and all you ever get is, you know, phone calls for the Royal Mail in Dunkeld, you know, asking about <laughs> exciting bottles of wine, or the best one was someone who was insistent that they wanted to come up in their helicopter yeah, and land on our paddock. <laughs> you know, we don't have a paddock. Yes, you do. I landed my helicopter there last time. I think you've got the wrong place. <laughs> Um, before we get underway on our traditional questions, why don't we both just sort of introduce each other? Actually, why don't you introduce each other? Adrian, why don't you introduce Ryan to our listeners? Ryan, presuming you're still with us, you're freezing up on our little Zoom thing a little bit, but Ryan, then you can introduce Adrian. So Adrian, why don't you fire away first? All right, Ryan, Ryan. So I met Ryan uh, way, way, way back when, uh, when he was working at the Park Hotel. 
Um, so Ryan wasn't um, actually involved in the first Hophead that we built. Uh, he came on when we got the second store up. Um, but yeah, I've known Ryan, uh, we'll be coming up to the Park Hotel, when was that, 2011? Yeah, almost yeah. ten years now. So it's been it's been it's been it's been a long while. Um, yeah, I mean, we kept in touch after he left the park. Uh, he became like a rep for, or he went to work on at um, up in Smoke in Footscray a little bit. Um, did a, did a little bit there. He then decided that uh, working behind a bar was not for him for a little bit. Decided to become a rep for uh, Craft Rev, um, which I think was Paramount Liquors. Uh, um, sort of like a beer arm at that time and then um, yeah we poached him from there uh, we took him uh, we took him we sat down we talked about expanding Hopheads and Point Cook and then he was like yeah come me in so uh, two years later here we are uh, in the middle of a, an absolute like crap storm you've set the bar high there mate so Ryan <laughs> You've got to give us fulsome introduction for Adrian. Yeah, I know. Jesus. Um, so, what, Adrian? Uh, Adrian, really I'm not like, really uh, yeah, I know. I was about to say, I don't know when Adrian. Adrian was studying in Tassie. So I don't know what year, but uh, that's, <laughs> his first, that's his first uh, language here in Australia. Um, studied law, I believe. Um, yeah. Finished everything. Thought, uh, came obsessed with craft beer. Moved to, oh, you moved to Vic somewhere. It was pretty far, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I moved to Vic the, in about 08. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, been pretty much here the whole time since. And uh, what Hophead's point cook came along out of Adrian's laziness, really. Um, he loved craft beer. Um, Used to frequent uh, slow beer all the time and uh, local tap house. Obviously, it's pretty hard to get through from Point Cook. Uh, that's where we obviously met in, at the Park Hotel. And I remember him telling me about this grand idea of doing a slow beer in Point Cook. I thought he was crazy. Still do. Um, and yeah, what that what Point Cook opened in 2000. And, 14, 15? 15, yeah. May 15. Uh, we about five years old in about, what, 10 days? Yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, uh, when people ask, like, how did Hophead Point Cook start, Adrian would be the first to tell you, and I also echo his statement, was laziness. He didn't want to travel that far for craft beer. He, he decided to open up something literally 10 minutes away from his home, just so he had an excuse to buy beer as a retailer, obviously, but then enjoy the beers himself. And... Yeah, you can see the you know, we can see the beers behind him. He pretty much drinks everything you see. Slow down a little bit. I think that's what happens when you have kids. So I'm told. Um, but yeah, no, that's pretty much how Hophead's Point Cook came along, and then yeah, Adrian picked up the rest from when we got into business together. Laziness is an excellent reason to get involved in running a business. <laughs> I've always uh, always felt that. Uh, when I initially took over the Flemkin Bowls Club and brought in craft beer out there, it was for a similar reason that it was about 30 metres down the road from where I lived. And, um, you know, none of the pubs in the area had good beer. So convenience, um, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Um, so what we like to do when we ask our sort of traditional questions is to sort of get a bit of a feel for 
what beers people have been you know, drunk over the years and enjoyed. So, Adrian, coming back to you, can you recall the first time you had a memorable drink? You know, what was, you know, whether it be beer or, you know, vodka cruises or whatever it might be, <laughs> you know, whether it's because it was memorable because of the morning after or just, you know, something on those lines. What was the... Well, I, think, I think the first thing, the first thing that, I mean, so I've been in Australia really since like 2011. Like I came here a long time ago to study and all that stuff. Um, and I think the one thing that like the first Aussie beer I had, like that was memorable, was actually a VB. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I know this is probably the wrong crowd and podcast for this, but that was that was the first one, you know. It's important um, to be honest. <laughs> um, but then we've got, I mean, somewhere along the lines, I remember there was a time when I was living on the other side of town, I used to go into a Dan Murphy's and literally drink one of every single shitty lager they had in the fridge. Like literally, I drank, I damn near everything, one of everything that they had. <laughs> used to go every week, pick up a mix six pack of like just shitty lager and just smash my way through it, right? Um, and then I discovered uh, Chimay Blue. I think mm. that was, the, that was the, the first sort of like beer that made me go, well, okay, so... Um, that's 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 good, you know. Um, can't even remember where I had it. I think it would have been here uh, in Melbourne somewhere. And I remember just like, man, that's 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 a good that's a good beer. Like, I mean, that's interesting. That's different, you know. Like, it's like makes you go makes you go wow, you know. Um, yeah, it is, that would be, if you've been working your way through lagers, that would have been a completely different experience at that stage. Yeah, that's yeah. it. How about yeah. you, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, so, oh, first drink, like, yeah, so would have been when I was at a family thing in New Zealand, uh, around a whole bunch of cousins that I hadn't seen for a few years, some I've never met, um, and they decided, since I was the baby of the group, uh, it was the best chance from the cousins from Australia to come across and let's get them real drunk on a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so I remember my first like memory of having a drink was uh, it was a raspberry vodka cruiser because I have just a vivid memory of having that taste on the way out, and that's all I could see in the toilet was just a tinge of like red, pink, and looking real thick from all the food that I ate. So that was definitely my first experience. But then, um, did you yeah, have a good I, experience? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like my first. Real good experience of good and bad was uh, diving into. So I was fortunate enough to when I started drinking beer, I didn't like commercial stuff, but then found uh, two beers. One was uh, Brew Cult, uh, uh, it might have been Acid Freaks, I think it was called. It was the vinegar stout. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That hated vinegar, I did not enjoy the beer, but I was like, oh, that's amazing. That's, I have never had that before. And then the next beer after that was the Red Hill Scotch Ale, which was the beer that I had and literally put me on to like this little uh, rabbit hole that we are all in now is of just trying everything for the first time and trying all these things because that was really the first beer that I literally had to pull out my phone and start writing down notes on the beer. Really, no one told me to. No one really said, hey, make sure you get you can pull apart the flavors it was just something i was like this is an amazing flavor i need to write down these flavors so i can try and chase this dragon i guess like it's just something that really that was my first craft beer experience and it was also my 
best one I think I've had so far. And then you end up down that rabbit hole like everyone else. We've all got stories. <laughs> yeah, like that. yeah. And, and then yeah, <laughs> it's, and then we're still in it. The, the rabbit hole's never ended. Just... <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not no. a bad thing. Like there's, there's rabbit holes don't have lights. Have... <laughs> no. Do you have um? What are your favourite uh, Melbourne bars or or pubs that you frequent frequented before? Yeah. <laughs> crazy lockdown uh, period. Um, for me, you'd probably find me, for all intents and purposes, at a very, oh, how do I say this, a nice place, popular. The place is like a, a dive bar-esque place, but with amazing drinks. Um, places like Bajo, uh, Catfish, even the Royal Mail. I've been there a few times and it's one of my favorite places to go. I remember getting very uh, intoxicated there uh, at WrestleMania and... It was just something that was a lot of fun. Um, so those sort of places where you generally find me drinking is somewhere probably sitting at the bar if I'm able to or sitting in a dark corner and just enjoying <laughs> really good drink. And yeah, that's generally the place that you'll find me. Completely opposite to what we have here at Offhead, but that's okay. So this, Travis, is why you always have to say you don't have to mention the Royal Mail, otherwise people just <laughs> automatically mention it. <laughs> yeah, they do, Adrian. I'm these days, man, don't really go out much. Like, it's basically, I need to sound sad. It's basically work at home. But back in the day, it was like, you know, like Ryan said before, it was way back when was slow beer and the local tap house, really. Uh, I used to live like 10 minutes from the local tap house. Um, and I used to, it was, it was great. It was like, you know, I think that was the heart of beer back then. Mm. Um, and it was, it was great. Um, these days, man, when I, to be honest, like after being, having done this for so long, beer, like I tend to hit up like whiskey bars a lot more uh, these days than, uh, than beer bars. I have my fill of beer, I think, at our place, you know, <laughs> and sometimes it's just a nice little change of place to hit up something that's a bit less beery. Uh, so, I mean, Whiskey and Ailman in the city is probably a good shout. Like, I, I do like that place a lot. Like, I think it's a nice little quiet place with a good range and solid people. So, yeah, like, I, I'll probably say that's probably one of my, my favorite sort of, like, watering holes these days. But, man, I really got to go out, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably worth explaining to the listeners outside of Melbourne, whether they're interstate or overseas, that when you were mentioning the park earlier on, it's not just like a random sort of, Park and the name of a no, hotel. No, it totally is though. Because long-time listeners will be familiar that we have a lot of park drinking stories as well. So, yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of park drinking stories I can tell you about right now. Like there's like this like people out there just like indulging. Uh, but, but probably best <laughs> if you don't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, how about but, overseas? We yeah. this is always our excuse to ask people about overseas. Doesn't even have to be pubs. It could be nice beaches to sit on or nice mountain views. Basically, a way for us to have an excuse to go overseas and tell Josh Frydenberg that it's a, a necessary tax journey. So, you know, where should we go if we go and drinking overseas? Well, like no, you need to go to. So, on top of hopheads, like me and my family, cousins and I, we started like we got involved in the whole beer thing about. Um, about 10 years ago. Um, and we opened a, a bar in Malaysia called Taps. So it's, it was, I think at that time, probably Southeast Asia's 
uh, first dedicated craft beer venue, right? So if you guys are ever sort of like traveling to Kuala Lumpur, make sure you hit that place up because it has, yeah, pretty damn good beer selection. Um, good, good shopping. KL's great for shopping. Great food. Malaysia is always great for food. So keep talking uh, it up. We might just go from tax dodge to full on sponsored <laughs> you know, by the Malaysian <laughs> government. You know, yeah, why not? Um, and for me, I guess my best drinking experience place would have been uh, before this, obviously, and we'll see if we ever go back there, would be uh, in New York. Uh, it would have been like Brooklyn being sort of craft beer mecca but also just a drinking mecca of places uh Torst is the place that a lot of beer drinkers already know but if they don't know they need to go there um it's one of the crowded like one of the busiest bars uh but the service is amazing uh they take their time with you uh and like i got Again, relatively intoxicated. I needed to see the seller. Like I asked him so many times across the bar after too many Imperial Stouts going, you have so much beer, I need to see all of it. And the guys were cool enough to like go, all right, hurry up, come on, let's go downstairs, I need to change a beer anyway. And I saw pretty much a cellar or cold room as big as some venues I know. And it was just <laughs> floor to ceiling of just 20 litre kegs. And I was blown away by how much beer that these places can hold and how much beer they churn through. Like, obviously, it's a bit different from us versus them. And like I said, it'd be amazing if a lot of us could ever go back to New York and all that sort of stuff with everything that's going on. But um, that place in particular is always the one that sticks out in my mind when people go, where should I go for a drink in general? Like, tour, go to tour, go to Brooklyn, go to Manhattan, go all, the, go all over. Very good. Yeah. And um, the last of our our, our traditional cool room questions and I reckon both of you will probably have a story on this one we always ask what's the strangest or funniest thing, thing you've ever seen in a cool room because we're on video I can see Ryan pissing himself laughing which means he's probably got a good story to tell um, yeah it's a, it's a pretty good story I think uh, it, it sorry it's to be quite beer orientated, which I don't think is a bad thing on this, but uh, at a venue I was working at, uh, we had the disposal kegs, like we still, some of us still do now. Uh, it was sitting next to something in the cold room that was heating up. It would have been, I'm assuming it was like the compressor or something electrical, something that was just getting warm in a cold room, which shouldn't happen anyway, but it did. Uh, plastic on heat isn't that great. Some poor soul just happened to be next to the cold room. There's a window, there's, there's a big window looking into this cold room so everyone can see this. I think you're starting to narrow uh, down how many people <laughs> you can see. But... Yeah, I'm about, about to say, I'm, I, I think a lot of people will be able to pick which venue wouldn't, but uh, so a big window looking into the cold room. And yeah, this keg punctured with pressure in it. I have never seen so much beer hit the ceiling and cover a room. There's a 30 litre keg, so in my head, I was like, oh, it's not that much. It was like jumping on a grenade. So people like what what like people were panicking, don't know what to do. Oh, let's just jump on it. Um, and yeah, I've seen who jumps on a jump, cake. Uh, I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but yeah, that's something that I saw. That literally every time I have ever looked into a cold room or even look at a 30 liter keg, it just like that just sparks 
um, just sparks my uh, memory, I guess, is something that I always think about. I'm like, oh, yep, the old jump on the keg grenade. <laughs> I, uh, was it a cheap keg or a more expensive, exciting one? Uh, back then, well, it was an imperial stout or some sort of stout, so uh, it wouldn't have been cheap. I, I wasn't into the figures then, but uh, yeah, I was knowing what I know now, I think it would have been roughly a five. $100 keg. Yeah, back in the day, especially things that came in plastic kegs were never cheap. It was always <laughs> yeah, no, something man. expensive that came from overseas that, you know. Yeah, no, it was definitely not cheap. I know that for a fact. The way, the way everyone acted, I knew it was not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you top that, Adrian? Uh, I don't think so. No, that, that sounds like something that only the young experience. No, like, I mean, <laughs> my, 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 my story is, is also. You know, like with these um, these plastic cakes, right? Because like, we used to import, we still import beer to Malaysia, but there was uh, this mob that made these uh, plastic cakes that really didn't hold up to much scrutiny, I must say. And uh, even in the cold room, it exploded and the spear, you know, from the middle thing just bit uh. in the cold room ceiling. Um, that was a bit of a, like, let's, let's be a bit more careful with this thing now. Like, you know, people started going into the cold room with headgear and shit after that. So it was, uh, it was a bit more, yeah, a bit of a wake-up call that these one-way kegs, while great, also can be a little bit dangerous. Yeah, I blew one up in the backyard at Mr. Griffiths in Kensington once. Like, and it was... And, basically, I was just genuinely in shock for, like, five or six hours, just, like, you know, giggling and, you know, couldn't walk properly. Sounds like a gunshot. You like you literally think a bomb's going off in the joint. It's ridiculous. I've never experienced anything like it in regards to. Well, well, Damo, who's often a co-host on the podcast, used to live two blocks away, and he reckons this is his story. In Kensington, it's always been hard to tell what's really gunfire and what's. <laughs> um, but you know, reckons he could hear it from there. So, and I, I couldn't hear it. Like in one ear, I couldn't hear anything for about a month. Oh. Um. Some ripper cool room stories there. I suppose you know. Let's come back to the to the hophead story a little bit, Adrian. Perhaps you can take us through. You know why you you said that you wanted somewhere like slow beer out in Point Cook, but you know what other inspirations have you taken? What makes hopheads hopheads rather than anywhere else? Well, uh, look, I think what what we are proud of uh, is that we are extremely community driven like I mean we we like the fact that we are um, quite often seen as very integrated within uh, our communities you know whether it's Altona or whether it's Point Cook both we like the fact that we know the people that walk through our doors and we care about the people that walk through our doors like we know yeah you know we know the, the names of their wives or their husbands or their kids and where they go to school and what they do and you know that kind of stuff I think that's for me, that's the Hoffman's experience. It's 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 beer, but beer with beer within a community. You know, like it's um, it's it's a yeah. I think it's a big part of of why we do what we do. But no, like right is right. Like Hoffman's was very much driven originally by just wanting good beer out west and not being able to find place for it, and thought like you know had a bit of experience doing it before. Why not give it a crack? And Point Cook, I suppose, again, for sort of listeners overseas and even interstate, Point Cook's a, a very new suburb in Melbourne. So effectively, what used to be sort of government land and old airfields started to be built on 
10 years ago, maybe at most. So it's a, it's a pretty new community. Or is it 15 years and I'm being old and forgetting about things? Yeah, the second one, mate. <laughs> so, you know, you're getting to start from, from scratch there, but also, I guess, you know, having people who've moved in from all sorts of other suburbs who are looking for the kind of experiences they used to have in the suburbs they lived in, a bit like yourself. Very much, yeah. Like, I, I think it was, it's also, um, you know, like, I guess moving from the East where, you know, everything was sort of there, you know, um, being in Caulfield was like in the middle, of, like all these things existed. Like, you know, people just took it for granted. You move out West a little bit and especially as far as Point Cook and there's not much really. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I've always been one of those. It's like you either choose to be, you know, be part of the solution or you can be part of the problem. And we thought, you know, why not be trying to be part of the solution? And to be fair, like we were inspired very much by the fact that the Park Hotel, uh, in Werribee, and like you know, was doing great things with beer. You know, like they did some, like they were doing stuff that the local tap house would have been very, very proud of. You know, uh, you know, they were they were killing it. And I was like, man, if people are willing to come out to Werribee, and we all know Werribee, right? like let's let's be honest, like if you're willing to come up and line up in Werribee outside a pub to get in, right? Like people must like the stuff that they sell. So it was, yeah. So that, like, yeah, we're convinced there was a market for it. Like, you know, just you know, whether whether Point Cook was the right space for it, who knows? Still don't know. <laughs> so, how long after Point Cook did Alterna come along? Uh, three years. Three years, yeah. And the decision to drive that to to go from one store in Point Cook to then two stores, with the second store being coming closer to the city but not really that much closer sort of what what was the decision that drove Altona to be the next spot it was a random conversation between Asia and I over a drink um, I remember being frustrated uh, with what I was doing um, and asked him because uh, I was still working in hospitality at the time um, I asked him what's it like owning a venue and all that sort of stuff. And he told me there's amazing days and there's absolutely horrible days and there's no days the same and all that things. And he's like, if you want to do it, you really, really have to be dedicated to it. And everything about that sounded scary, but it also sounded amazing. Um, and I, I think I can tell the truth. I've told this many people. I took a, a rep gig to essentially do market research for us was to um, drive around all of Victoria and go to a whole bunch of venues, see if I can sell beer that's very approachable and very easy drinking. And some places wouldn't take it because it's too approachable and too easy drinking, which is totally fine. Um, and there'd be some places where I, in my gut, I knew this beer would sell, but they wouldn't take it for other reasons of we just don't know it. And Alpina was definitely one of those suburbs. And I was trying to push it onto us. Uh, a restaurant or a cafe, I can't remember. I'm like, nah, this stuff would never sell. I was like, you, like, it was obviously one of those gut feelings, but I was like, you have no idea how wrong you can be. Um, just have a look at what's going on in the suburbs around it. It was essentially a sort of a thing where I was like, okay, this might be the place. And literally, I think I might call Adrian or even took a photo of a place to leave. 
Dude, I found the place. Stop telling people you found Dude, it. Dude, I was the one Stop telling people you found it. I found it. I was the one on the road. I found it. I have photos upon photos. No, like, no, 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 no. This is a point of major contention here, guys. Like, oh, it's, man. Uh, it is, it is. I feel like we've opened up a can of worms here. Yeah. I reckon we can just sit back and enjoy the road. <laughs> I was about to say, you're going to hear an argument in a second. <laughs> Look, to, to be honest, I, I think Altona was going through a bit of a sea change as well in terms of like, you know, mm. the demographics were changing. There was a couple of cool little like cafes opening up, uh, you know, that between two buns, that burger shop opened up there just before we did, right? So there was like maybe an, like, you know, Altona is probably like it felt old for the longest time. And then in the last three to four years, it sort of changed a fair bit. Like you just felt like, you know, like younger people moving in and like people who wanted more inner city sort of like amenity, you know? So we, yeah, so it was just on the cards. It was just like, and it was just luck really that we found the spot. Like, mm. you know, we were, we were, you know, like Ryan said, like driving around, scouring the internet or whatever. And it was something just popped up and we were like, yeah, why not? And I mean, it took us a bit longer than we wanted to get the store off the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know. I think that's the story that everyone tells about any venture they've ever been part of. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever goes to plan. Yeah. No. And I guess it would have been an interesting uh, sort of shift between Point Cook and Altona being that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Point Cook was, um, you know, purposely built to a degree because it was part of that shop, new shopping strip and that sort of thing. Was there anything in the Point Cook store before you were there, Adrian? No, no, it was. Oh, uh, so it was a, yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously, with Altona, it was something before it was Hophead. So, you guys yeah. obviously had to do the fit out on that, which obviously would have been very different to the way you set up Point Cook in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, it was it, just before we took it over was an uh, accountant's office, but before that was a bank. Uh, and so we repurposed. Hence the, the really heavy door up the back. Yeah, that one, yeah. So we repurposed that safe to make it our co-room, which is kind of a nice little sort of like thing, you know, like it's a, um, it's a nice little feature. Uh, we like to think it's, uh, it, it caused us a little bit of stress uh, at the time. A courtroom that causes stress? I mean, that's basically what this entire podcast is about. <laughs> So yeah, not called I mean, the cool room because we're all cool and in a room together. <laughs> so what, what advice would you give the, the cool room listeners um, if they decided they wanted to go and open up a bar? I don't know, man. Do it. Like, just don't, don't, yeah. don't, just do it, man. Like, it's, uh, don't, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I think if you uh, just, you just got to do it and be prepared for a life of shit. Like, I think that's the reality, right? Like, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, know what you're giving up because you'll look back and think like, man, I really, really, really miss annual leave. That's the one thing. <laughs> annual leave and stick leave are the two best things in the world, guys. Like, just let me tell you, like, I would give anything to have annual leave. Like, you know. This but, is so true. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's like, people forget, like, don't get me wrong, it's great. I'm sure Ryan will agree. Like, there's, there's a lot of good, uh, working for yourself you know um and you know that's it, it's great because you meet a lot of cool people you get involved in a lot of stuff like you know you're oh, there's so many good things but god damn do i miss annual leave like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, um, and i guess yeah sorry 
are there are there plans to expand further than Altona? Or is radio <laughs> silence your answer? <laughs> <laughs> Or, no, or, or were there plans until about six weeks ago? And <laughs> yeah, there were. Yeah. Yeah, there were indeed plans till about six weeks ago. No, like we, we were, look, we were, we are always looking to grow, I think. Uh, and I think we, we like, we want to keep growing out west because it's where we are. And we always want the west side to have all the amenity that I, you know, had when I was living out the other side of town. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, you know, we can, keep trying to bring good beer to good people at good prices, you know, good, you know, every store will be unique, will be, will be like very community focused, you know, uh, and yes, yes, there were plans to expand. We were, yes, we were looking at Yarraville. Uh, there was a, there was a store uh, on the horizon, but unfortunately, it was the worst kept secret. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> ate a bat and then like, like, you know, now, now none of us can go out. So, you know, um, Yarraville is a very, and obviously, uh, so I live in Yarraville and it's a very yes. niche place. Once something is mentioned in that strip, uh, it spreads like wildfire mm. um, and the locals will either love it or they'll hate it. As we've seen recently with like the new Woolworths store that popped up, that was, yeah, that was not a very well-kept secret. And the other business owners, they demised it. They hated it. Still do, but um Craft beer in Yarraville, this, that that sort of the strip down there is is definitely calling out for it. It's um, yeah, there's some great bars throughout Yarraville, but um, yeah, there's there's a market there to to step it up. Yeah. So what you're really doing, Trev, is pushing this lazy line that you can't, you're too lazy to even start your own bottle shop. You want someone else to start a bottle shop 100 meters from your house. I want one. I want one, one in walking distance from my house, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's what Travis literally said to me when he came into Altona a few months ago. Was he's like, you need to open this up soon. Like he's like, I like coming to Altona, but having something walking distance would be so much easier. And I was like, I get it. I feel like someone. And that's the thing. Every who's time also lazy, I get it. Every time I come into Altona, I'm, I'm most likely driving, so I have like one beer and I hit the road. Again. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we have a little beer geek session here? Because it's always fun to talk with people who've got enormous walls of beer behind them. I've got photos of my son and stuff like that from where I'm today. <laughs> so you know, he's not for sale. Just to be clear, um, four or five favourite beers that you've ever sold, or just so those sort of you know those. Unicorns, as they're known in the industry, the ones you sort of never see that you've managed to get your hands on and, you know, that you both enjoyed drinking but just had thought, this is fantastic. This is an experience in a bottle that I'm going to get to share with my favourite customers. Oh, I think I it think goes without saying um, that Anchorage, a deal with the devil that we got last mm. year, will probably be top of the pile. Um, that, was, that was definitely one of the most... Um, yeah, the most serious beers I've ever had the opportunity to to drink and have the yeah the opportunity to share with other people. Like you know, it was it is yeah that that's that's a proper unicorn that one. So just tell you know for punters who may not have heard of that one before who are listening in or people who are just new to craft beer, what's the thirty second spiel if you were you know? Well, it's a it's a American strong ale I think aged in or oh, barley wine. Um, aged in Woodford Reserve double oak barrels uh, and Buffalo Trace barrels, and then blended back together. Um, just immense. Like we, when we did a little event at uh, the Altona store uh, 
for the beer. And we actually, uh, you know, paired it with um, Buffalo Trace and Woodford Reserve Double Oak. Um, and just just to show, like, you know, that you can pick up those little subtle things. It, it was immense. It was a big, big beer. Amazing. Yeah. Brian, how about you? What's the... I guess mine would have to be... It's, uh, it's a unicorn, too, because we don't get any more. And it was just such a big deal for me when I had it, or when we first got in, was the Stones Enjoy Bite. So that super fresh, like American double IPA used to come in the bomber bottles, which we no longer see for good reasons and or bad, just because you can't share them anymore, which is fine. Um, I remember just having like feeling a lot of hype around just that having super fresh import beer because what that was eight, six, seven years ago, I think maybe, and that six, seven years ago we we're getting some pretty bad imports and. Yeah. The local market was good and it's a lot better now, but it was good. And you could just see there was a big gap um, from where we were then and where we are now. And you can just get some super fresh beer. And obviously, the whole spiel behind the Stone Enjoy Buyer was you had to drink it before the day. Um, and I think it gave you a two week window when it, by the time it landed to Australia. Um, and that was just one of those beers that. I still have the bottle. Just again, like it's a unicorn for us, just because I don't think we see it here in Australia anymore. But it's just one of those beers that I remember tasting very fresh beer from other side, like from halfway around the world, and it landed to us, and we we're ready, ready to go, and we we're drinking it, and it tasted amazing. It was just one of those euphoric beers back then, and I might be looking at it with uh, what's this tinted glasses. Because maybe if I have it now, but you know what? This is pretty average. And it's happened to me a lot of times drinking some beers. I'm like, oh, beer's amazing. Drink it. That's ah, all right. Um, <laughs> but there's, that, there's definitely one of those beers where it was like this. It showed how far we had to go as an Australian market. But then I think we're, if we're pretty much there now. Like we're, we're not that far behind. You don't need a air freight beer in anymore to get some really good beer. You can go down the road and get really, really good beer now. It's great. In terms of unicorns in my life, the reason why uh, Point Cook always has a very happy memory for me is that I can remember having to go out there one day to pick up some Brewdog uh, Dog B, I think it was, um, uh, when you had that and we were doing a vertical tasting of B, C, D, E and F. And um, my son fondly remembers that day as well because for listeners in Melbourne, the good thing about going to the Point Cook uh, Hopheads is that it's a short drive from there onto Werribee Zoo. So we managed to combine <laughs> a, a trip that amused Dad and a trip that amused the six or seven year old at the time all in one journey. So um, you guys tend to get access to some of those really fun Brewdog beers, which are some of my favourites. And that it seems at the moment with Brewdog building their own facilities here are that much harder to get the fun Brewdogs into Australia at the moment. Yeah, that's it. And it's uh, probably going to be like that for a while, I reckon. Yeah. Mm. But for the sake of a, a shameless plug, we just did stop take at Point Cook yesterday or last night. Uh, Brewdog, what is it? Uh, e and We've C. got a couple of yeah, E's and C's left. So anybody want some Brewdog, Doggy and Doggy? We've got some left. Oh, I feel, I feel yeah. a drive coming on. 
I think oh, I've we do got... deliveries as well. If everyone wants to stay at home, I was actually going to mention that earlier. <laughs> I, when when you said Adrian that you just um, you know it's just it's just work and home, I went well. You did make it out to Yarraville and deliver me a six pack the other day. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's the fun bit. Like you know, any excuse to get out and drive a bit, you know. <laughs> so that probably brings That's, us on to where well, we are in I have one I have one listener yeah. question, Travis. Sorry to cut your question. No, no, no. It seemed like an opportunity. We, we had a someone contact us on in fact it's Hoppy Day Reviews. So shout out to Hoppy Day Reviews, who I think are WA beer drinker. They wanted to know, kind of controversially here, what your most overrated beer in Australia is and most underrated beer in Australia is. I haven't thought about answers for myself either, so I'm going to throw to you guys yeah. so I can sort of sit back and, you know, think in the background. I'll take the first step, and I'm going to be very diplomatic. Uh, uh, well, I won't throw any breweries under the bus because we'll <laughs> deal with them, and it would be very bad if we went, yeah, this beer's overrated. Um, I think and I, I'm, I think a lot of people will agree with me and some will think I'm being an idiot, but I think an overrated style just because it's been very pushed hard and it's been amazing beers. But I think New England IPAs are a very overrated uh, style and an underrated, and again, it'll be interesting to see what everyone else thinks, is an underrated style is lagers. I think there's a dirty connotation associated when you go, oh, I'm just drinking like a really nice lager. And people are like, oh, lager, disgusting. And it's like, no, it's... One of the hardest styles to brew, you have to really like not to sound super beer wanky, but we are beer wanky at the end of the day. It's like it's simplicity is sometimes the best thing. It's it's sort of, like there's some amazing lagers out there, and people just don't want to drink them because they just don't like the style. Yeah. I'm always amazed that there's not more pale lagers out there. That's a style that I really mm. enjoy. Sort of halfway, you know, that's probably what I find to be easy drinking and pleasurable now, a well-made pale lager. Um, yeah. Certainly beer that I can, you know, have a few pints of, on a, you know, Saturday night quite happily, rather than, you know, some of the really full-on high-alcohol, high-flavour ones, which uh, can be amazing experiences, yeah. but not the kind of thing you can, you know, get and have with your mates and enjoy a night out with. Adrian, who do you want to throw under the bus? Look, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm not, I'm like Ryan, like got to be super diplomatic about this. Look, I don't think there's there any, um, anything's particularly overrated or underrated, you know, like I think you like what you like. And I think it's one of those things where I think over the years, like trying to convince people to like what I like is falling. Like it's a, uh, you don't, like everybody likes something different, you know, and I don't like, I don't think there's a need to really shit on anybody like are certain beers less enjoyable because um i don't like the style definitely you know um but you know like i'm not a massive fan of lager but you know every now and then i'll have one and that's blow my mind like you know just does go out it, i said but for beers for people that i think are killing it unlike ryan i think mm. that uh new england ipas that's uh i think that's a thing and that's a thing to stay right like those nice hazy juice bombs and i think uh, yeah we've got a couple of really really good breweries these days knocking them out and doing some great beer and doing some great interpretations of that style um you know and i think you know we've it's a very like i, I think you know when you taste some of the overseas the imports that we've gotten it's an influence and i think australia has its own little take on it which is kind of cool 
Um, but you can see, like, you know, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, I think big IPAs. I've always been an IPA guy. Like, I think the name Hophead sort of, like, uh, gives away yeah. the fact that I, I, I am very much a lover of the hop. More diplomacy there than you see at the United Nations. <laughs> on, you know, I think we should... You know, the World Health Organization should sign you guys up to go and deal with the American administration. <laughs> we're, we're both sensitive. Sorry, guys. I'm, I know you probably want to have a hot take and us to go on a rant about few breweries, but unfortunately, we deal with too many breweries to do that, and we don't think that. I don't think that anyway. Adrian might have some things to I say. I think it's pretty fair answers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will say an underrated brewery for sure, uh, just uh, it gets love, but I don't think enough, is Molly Rose. I think they... I'm making some really, really good stuff, and people who drink a fair bit beer know that. But I think it needs that that brewery in particular needs to get some more people there. Um, it's like we stock a fair bit of their stuff, and IPAs are banging, the farmhouse styles are banging, um, even their vegan desserts out as well. Like it's a nitro can, which doesn't say it, but you drink it, you'll absolutely love it. Well said. Totally agree. I also agree with you on the New England IPA scenario as well. I, th I think we've, um, it's an interesting thing. I'm, I might be talking out of school, but I found, or I find with New England IPAs, I thought the bubble would burst a lot sooner than it has. It's, um, you know, I was in the US a couple of years ago and every, every bar, every brewery we went to had uh, cream ales and we came back and went, oh, that's got to be the next the next push, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, okay. we, haven't, um, we haven't quite got hot, there Hot yet. seltzers, guys. Hot seltzers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep on thinking that red ales and brown ales, particularly at this time of the year, when I, you know, autumn and early winter for me, and, yeah. you know, for some reason, they just don't seem to appeal to people either. Yet. <laughs> yep. Okay. Shall we move on to the the elephant in the room the coronavirus how's it shifted for you guys what's um what's changed how have you guys managed to uh stay afloat in the craziness that um that is lockdown um i think you know um i mean we we i think what ryan and i uh, have realized is that we've uh, been cruising along a little bit uh, mm. the last year or so. And this sort of uh, thing, uh, as bad as it is, has really lit a bit of a fire under our bums, you know, to, to get a move on and to do certain things that we always talked about doing, um, you know, like deliveries and, you know, uh, online store. Keep an eye out for that. That's coming soon. <laughs> um, um, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's just how we've changed like i mean yes we've lost a big bunch of our trade because as much as we are a bottle store we a lot of our trade is on-prem um you know uh and yeah definitely has hurt but you know the community like has shown tremendous support both in altona and point cook and you know the people in the west uh on a whole have shown massive support for our business um and you know have come out and you know bought a ton of beer so um yeah, so thank you to literally everybody uh, who's come out to support us. You know, like we really, really do appreciate it. Like we promise once this is all over, we'll have the world's biggest piss up and everybody's invited, right? Like we'll mm -hmm. just go out in the streets, uh, just get mad, 
right? Like, <laughs> uh, but it, it is, yeah, it's, it's made us, it made, it's just, I think what it's done, it's definitely made us focus on the things that we can control um, and really try to double down on the things that we are very, very good at. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's what's sort of like keeping our head above water at the moment. Um, but we all know things can change in a, in a heartbeat. So, you know, we'll keep plugging along and hopefully uh, once all this, this will over, be over sooner rather than later, you know. So you guys um, have a lot of pubs during this lockdown period that are still open for takeaways, especially the pubs and so on, have decided that they'll be able to fill growlers off, uh, off their beer lines. Uh, you take in a growler, you get a fill. You guys shifted that a bit and you got your canning thing up and running. Is that in both venues or just Altona? Uh, that's in both venues. So that was something else that um, I guess once uh, the shit hit the fan uh, was something that we were trying to figure out what we do. Obviously, growler fills. Uh, we even got some in preparation. Uh, I pretty much was hitting up every home brewer store around going, do you have growlers and can I buy them? Uh, so we have a few here, but it was mainly about we got in contact with Hop Nation, uh, asked them how much it cost them to buy their cannibal machine and where they got it. And um, the guys there were fortunate enough. And I think that's a good thing about our collective industry, beer industry and the hospitality industry is that they just said, come and get it and come uh, and come grab some cans because if we're not using it, so you might, so we might as well give it to someone else that is able to use it. And so I think after that, Phone call. I was in the car and off to Footscray in 30 minutes before anyone else got their hands on it, selfishly. But it was very much. How many people mode. did they tell this to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, someone else surely would have thought of this idea. Um, so we got that first one in Altona and then uh, got in contact with uh, Dayton at Caramdowns, and they have this almost identical machine. Uh, that was a couple of weeks later. Asked them the same thing. And again, good thing about our industry is that it's very much a come, come grab it. If you're willing to come to drive down to Caram Downs, we'll go get it. Uh, I drew the short straw and had to do the drive. <laughs> I wasn't complaining at all. Only to Adrian on the phone. Uh, but no. <laughs> all the way on the drive? Was it, did he have to? Yeah. <laughs> yep. He, I reckon he put me on mute, but that's okay. I got it all out. Did, um, did you then have to take it to Point Cook or was Adrian nice enough to come and pick it up from Altona? <laughs> Don't be mad. Of course you probably <laughs> 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 um, But yeah, so those Subarus definitely uh, came to our aid in regards to the canning machine, our cannibal. So we're able to push through our kegs that we still have because otherwise they'd be collecting dust or we'd be trying to do what everyone else does, which is using reusable um, growls, which is a good way of doing it, but it's a bit more, um, I guess this way is a bit more user-friendly because if you don't have access to that, you don't have to pay the price to buy a growler. You can just literally pay the price that's on our boards, grab it, and it's ready to go as soon as you take it home. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's a cool little system. Yeah, it is. And we have our own... I think I guess that's another change is that we have our own machine um, yeah. coming soon because oh, we've seen that. That's one of those things. It's creativity. You see a lot of businesses doing this where they're just changing what they're doing. They're pivoting into something else. And I think the, one of the positives 
of all those things is that you'll see a lot of businesses probably continue continuing to do some things that we'll have. And I was I was going to to mention that is it you know it, now that you know that the, the the canning system works and I'm guessing you get a, getting a lot of um, a lot of people coming in to purchase the cans is do you see that as something that will continue after uh, we're sort of past this coronavirus lockdown? Yeah, well, we hope so. But, you know, a lot of it really does depend on the government and how they, you know, the only reason why we've never done growlers or cannibals before was that whole excise situation, you know. And we want, we, we hope that, you know, that this may be a little bit of a dry run for whoever's in charge of making these sorts of decisions to see that it is beneficial to the industry. You know, it's like, I think it's great because you get people like you, like um, you mentioned before, like, you drive down to Altona and you see a beer you really like and it's 12% alcohol, you know, you can have a thimble full, right? And you can't, you know, and then that's being responsible, right? Like at least with, with you know, the, op- the option of taking like a, a can hole, you're encouraging people to consume uh, in the safety of their own homes, you know, and not, not drink like a schooner full of like 12% imperial stout and then try and find your way home behind the wheel of your car. Now. So, I mean, look, we, 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 we like to, we like to think that, uh, I think most of the beer industry, um, would like to see this become a permanent thing like this, um, you know, like for the government to relax the laws around this a lot more. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they will, but if, if they do, I think, yeah, we, it's, we, we hope it's here to stay. It'd be great. Scott Morrison, if you're listening, um, yeah. <laughs> I wish we'd have to send him the link. <laughs> <laughs> just clip this part and just send that. Or well, the whole thing. It's in the whole thing. Definitely the whole thing. Yeah, make him work for it. Yeah. That'd be a first one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this just took a whole other turn. It didn't, it Not that we're involved in politics, but. Um, Gentlemen, I think we're sort of getting towards the end of our time together, but thank you for being so generous with your time this afternoon. Um, do you want to give us one more time the uh, the socials and um, websites and so forth and um, so that people can look up all of those things, find you and find your shop when it goes online? Uh, so you can find all, like, uh, our whole uh, social media presence is at Hophead AU. Um, that's on Instagram and it will also work on Facebook. Uh, if you just straight Facebook search us, we are Hophead with the little green angry character. Uh, he won't be there much longer, but he's still there. So that's a way to sort of know that we're Hophead. Oh, hang on. Uh, I feel like just... you buried the lead there. Oh, no, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that another time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> are, you doing some, are, you, are you doing some artwork in your lockdown time? Yeah, like Adrian said, we're, um, we're it's given it's literally lit a fire under our collective asses to try and know what we do really well, know what hasn't been working really well, and it's just about if we can come through all this with a bit of a coming out of this better than what we were when when this all happened. I think so we're that means really you're doing a watercolor position. for a new logo. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ryan's yeah. been in art classes. Yes, uh, he's been, yeah, uh, that's that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, Microsoft <laughs> Microsoft Paint is like, it's, it's looking real good now. Um, and then our uh, website will be uh, hophead.com.au. 
there's currently a splash page there, so you can leave your email there and become a subscriber, and we will notify you once the online store is up and running. Uh, yeah, that's, those are the places to go find us. Otherwise, you can find our stores in Point Cook. Uh, shop 2. Number 13. 13. Uh, Adelphi Boulevard. And then in Altona, 78 Pier Street. Anything you plug, Adrian? Our plug is going to be, uh, look out for the new Survivor Sixer that's coming out um, either this week or next. Also, big thanks to the guys at Hop Nation and Dainton for uh, lending us your canning machines. You guys are boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, are, they are rocking. Thank you so much. Good shout out. Thank you again, guys. We'll, um, we'll look forward to being able to drop in and be part of that uh, massive party at the front <laughs> of Delphi Boulevard, um, you know, in the not too far distant future, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks for having us on, guys. Uh, thanks, guys. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Much appreciated. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey there, Cool Room listeners. We've got a little ad for you. No, we're not asking for money so that you can advertise quality mattresses, razors, or any of those other sort of things that seem to get advertised on podcasts. What we're looking for is other fun podcasts that would like to share a 30-second ad with our listeners, letting everyone know why they're so great, and in return, letting us share a 30-second ad for The Cool Room. We know that right now there's a whole lot of people who are looking for fun new podcasts to help them while away their isolation hours, so if you've got something to share, drop us a line via our Facebook or Instagram accounts. Right, ad over.